Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 271. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and talented comic publisher of Unstoppable Comics, J.D. Rosaro. What is up, Streamland? How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> So wait, so you're here. We were here to talk about your latest Kickstarter, Storm Chasers Volumes One and Two, which is coming yes, out very, very soon as of this yes, recording. Sir. Yes, sir. And this is and this what this is the masthead title of Unstoppable Comics, isn't it? That is correct. Uh, I started with uh, ash cans or fanzines. I don't know if people mm -hmm. are familiar with that, right? But it's pretty much stuff that you can print out on your own, your own home computer, and they were originally. 12 pages that I was trying to utilize as my resume, as my way to, to get out there. And uh, it did not, it did not prove as effective as I had hoped going into it. Um, there was a lot that I needed to learn um, when it came to not just writing comics, but learning how to self-publish. Right. So I was lucky enough to come around in the, uh, in the early days of print on demand, right? We're talking about, 2003, 2002, around there, stuff like that. Um, there was a small printer out in Jersey that was doing things, uh, you know, for about two bucks. And and I learned, okay, there's things that I have to add. And I built that up and I expanded that stuff. Uh, but again, there were speed bumps that I needed to, to overcome. And once I got the ball rolling, Storm Chasers did become that masthead for me because I'd spent that much time learning, developing, becoming a storyteller, learning three-act structure that mm -hmm. um, I bit off the biggest chunk and, and try to do all of that in a team book, which, uh, you know, is is not the best first option for a brand-new writer out there, a brand-new self-publisher. <laughs> but, you know, we learned, and we had people stick with us. Uh, the very first New York Comic Con that I had done was when I was uh, – I guess I had got my sea legs, right? And mm -hmm. and I showed up at the convention with Storm Chasers issue number four, which was uh, print on demand, but it was a full 24-page book um, and a, a source book with a right. couple T-shirts. And, dude, we banged it out. And I'm like, oh, my God. I It wasn't just people buying the book. It was people investing in me. Hmm. So I, I also felt that it wasn't enough to just put out a comic book i had to show people that i was getting better i was utilizing the money that that they spent on me to take a chance to show them hey this is what we can do this is what we can do better and we lasted long enough in self-publishing until the advent of crowdfunding and once mm. that bad boy came out uh a lot more books came out with the storm chasers and spin-offs from there as well because you started in 2008 right I started the official Unstoppable Comics brand in 2008, but right. I had done, you know, the fanzines, the ash cans prior to that. Right. And no, because you mentioned too in some previous interviews, and before we went live, I was talking about how I just listened to a lot of your, a lot of your pre previous interviews. Thank you. You're, you're you're taking it. You're 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 kind of kind of going back to basics a little bit with with what the indie publishers are doing now, where people are really concentrating on on print on demand. But you are now going back to offset printing, right. correct? Right. Um, you know, for for me, I felt that 
the biggest difference between offset printing and print on demand and not knocking anyone that uses either um, form. Uh, for me, it's offset printing is choosing long-term growth over print on demand, which I feel is short-term sales, mm. right? If you want to get your story out there and, and, you know, you're not looking past five years, you know, you're, you're, you just want to get this, maybe it's three or four issues. Yeah. Print on demand, get it out there, right? Bring it into the world. No problem. Mm. But if you want to have longevity, I feel print, uh, I feel offset is the way to go because you're buying in bulk. You're spending almost the same amount of money that you would have if you're hinting if you're hitting print on demand three or four times for a couple hundred issues, right? right. So you might as well put that bite the bullet early on, put that investment into offset printing, buy in bulk, right? Where you can get a single issue, full color, 24 pages for around a buck, more or less, right? Hmm. And if you're charging five dollars, well, you've got room. You've right. got room, right? You've got room not just to to hit almost a 400% margin, maybe turn a profit, but also room to develop that nest egg where you can pay the rest of your collaborators to keep going with more content. Right. Because as you said, mentioning it from like the Kickstarter perspective is that do you do you support the process of the fact that that Kickstarter, the funds that are raising are going to be going towards the next book and you've already paid in advance what the Kickstarter is? So that way, you know, the book's done. So it's more of a pre-order setup. hundred percent. Right. Okay. Uh, as soon as we launch, you know, it's because we've gotten everything done. The coloring, the lettering, you know, I, I've developed my own. I don't want to call it a marketing package right but i've gone through my checklist and i want to make sure that we have not just what we're going to post throughout the days of the campaign within social media but what we're also going to post in the updates hmm. and so you already have that planned out you said right yeah. and that's yeah and how how was your your new upcoming as we mentioned at storm chasers volume one and two coming mm -hmm. out um what have you tweaked as compared to your previous was it 11 or 19 kickstarts that you've done uh i think this one may be my 19th or my 20th not 100 okay. percent sure um you know the last book we did which was called limbo open almost all eternity was uh my first book that i i've i've become a publisher and we're public <laughs> we published other people we, you know uh a, a team of creators who are based out of Columbia, who are looking to get a foothold in the States. Uh, some of the guys I had worked with before in, in doing colors and stuff, and, uh, you know, things worked out, and we were able to do that. So I don't know if that was my 18th or my 19th. So looking back and whatever that one is, we 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 go to the next one, and that's this is either my 19th or my 20th. Hmm. And, and and so you, you mentioned as well as that um, your official guide to unstoppable comics, is that your, as you mentioned, like your version of like the Marvel universe and the who's who 100% dude, that is my, <laughs> you know, that was my encyclopedia as a kid. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't reading Huck Finn. I wasn't reading charge of the, of uh, the light brigade. I wasn't reading, uh, whatever they were telling me to read in the seventh and eighth grade, but you put a comic book in front of me, dude. Right. I mean, back and forth every day of the week. Um, and, and that handbook was just like, 
so much information in that page and a half that caught me up on so many years of Marvel that I had never had access to. Right. right. Um, the, the comic book shops that I found uh, here in New York were uh, very few and far between. And it wasn't the comic book shop that we see today. It was just a guy with a cigarette, uh, an ashtray, you know, the glass jewelry case with books lined up on it and a fold-out table with books lined up on it. Dude, I, it's scary, but had a, uh, remember the, the uh, you got to stay away from the strangers and vans, right? Yeah. Man, had somebody rolled up <laughs> in a van with comic books, I would be like, dude, 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 ran right in, you know? Um, so, so that's, that's what, that's what comic books were for me. They were, they were affordable. Um, you know, come from a, from a, a blue, a blue collar family. My father passed away when, when I was very young. So there wasn't a lot of money for extra stuff, but a comic book back then was used was 50 cents and two bucks, brother. Woo. You know what I mean? Happy new year to me. Um, so yeah, heck, heck, even like J, JD, you, you you famously wrote your school book on the Dark Phoenix saga. You just took ah! out the names of the superheroes. Oh my God. Marty, you spend way too much time, dude. Thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> yes, yes, I was I was in high school. Uh, I don't I don't know if I was a junior or a sophomore. But yeah, I uh, I wrote a book report on the Dark Phoenix saga, and instead of using their code names, I used everyone's uh, regular name to, right. to make it seem legitimate. I guess I, uh, you know. I right. Know. So so let me ask you this then, because of Unstoppable Comics, you've kind of created this Unstoppable Comics universe. Have did you do this because of the fact that you have this insatiable insatiable you? need to be creative or are you doing this as a consistent love letter to the genre that you love so much both both and also uh um a little bit of uh stubbornness and a lot of stupidity to think that i was good enough to do this at the outset right Right. um but again you know it's taken time to learn and now that i've learned it's like yeah uh i could keep this going i've learned a lot and that just reinforces the love letter that I had for this, right? right? Um, that also gives me that outlet for the creativity. You know, right. I could be in the car with my wife and sometimes I'll zone out. And after about five minutes, she's like, I could smell the gears burning, right? <laughs> and there's times where we're lying in bed and it's just like, and, and I sleep with the phone next to me and I'm like, Siri, take a note. And, it's just I'll, I'll I'll spat out whatever is in my head, and Siri will make up something else. So in the morning, there's that that magical synergy. Like, did I say that, or is this just like something new that I can build off of? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely a creative person. Uh, I love to cook. I love to 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 have that polish. Um, right. I love to present. Uh, I love to peacock every once in a while, also. Yeah. But no, but how would you compare to, as you mentioned earlier, like, like issue number, like issue number one that you put together, what are some of the things when you read it now, after so many issues and so many titles you've created, what are some of those kind of like publisher cringeworthy things? Like, oh, oh, I wish man. I had changed this. Um, lettering. Um, first off, you know, again, I thought it was somebody that, oh, I knew what I was doing. No, no. Mm. Um, 
you know, you you learn through experience. And you know, I look at it, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, uh, this needs to be updated. Um, definitely storytelling. You know, it's it's moments in comic books where you got to pay attention to what happens at the page breaks, right? What happens right. at the page turn? How do you how do you keep them invested? Things like that. Um, little emotional beats that I missed out on that I see, you know what? I could have filled in something over here to reinforce this person's connection or this person's frustration with, with another one. Mm. Yeah. And so what would you do for instance is like how often now that you've been established for, for since 2008, so 15 years that you've had this comics. Yeah. 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 We just celebrate the 29th uh, yesterday. Yesterday is our anniversary wow. day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, what, what's the biggest piece of advice that you give um, indie creators that come to you, new indie creators and say, Hey, can you check out the script? What's the one thing that you, you've kind of, you've noticed across the board that you want to just give blanket advice to new creators to oh, always do. Right. X? Um, never say no to yourself, right? Mm. Self doubt is, is the biggest obstacle for indie creators right you right. some some people never believe that they're good enough when they are and and they'll come to you with the script or with a book mo- mostly a book it's really hard to read a script at a convention and you know there's they're prepared for that cringeworthy moment of you breaking their heart right and it's like <clears throat> you know you, you got to learn how to get over that you got to learn when i when i was taught how to ice skate first thing <clears throat> first thing they did was Make sure I learned how to fall because as long as I knew how to fall, I wouldn't be scared of falling. So when mm. you're not scared of that, you know, you can you can pick up things a lot a lot faster. And that is tied into that self-doubt, you know, right. and so many, so many creators are just they can't get over that I think I can moment to I am doing. Right. And what about some of the ones where you've seen those creators who are like you need to do this again. Like, so that they might be too confident in what they've created. And you're like, no. Well, you know, dude, I, uh, when they, when they come to me like that, um, you know, that, that proud chest, I, I, uh, I, I have a lot quicker conversation with them. Right. Um, it's like, okay, you, you obviously are in a place where you know where you're going, you know, good luck, good luck. Um, and I hope to see you at, at a, at a convention sometime soon. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to dump on anybody, bro. I'm not going to dump on anybody. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, there's those moments. And then there's the ones that are beyond that. Right. Right. And then there's the, the the creators who are are peers, right. In, In the indie community who, um, on social, they are touting their achievements at conventions when they're right next to me giving away their books saying that they're you know they've sold out for the day and i'm like dude you were begging me to take a copy you know (laughs) come on bro you know again i'm not going to tear down your building but you know don't don't uh don't fake it around me bro you know don't fake it around me because then the New Yorker with the chip on your shoulder, you know, he'll come out and, and get, there's only so much I could take before I'll start to be like, shut up, bro. Shut up and just, 
stay over there. You know? um, and and that has happened. So um, you know, I gotta I gotta learn how to be personable um, right. in all aspects because at the end of the day, my my reactions are seen by so many different people, and the slightest thing could be expanded upon negative. The slightest negative moment can be expanded mm. upon socially by so many others that may cost me sales, right? That right. may cost the team that's there with me because sometimes I have uh, collaborators who are there doing sketch covers and stuff like that. And I don't want to cost them money. Right. And I need to learn how to, you know, button it up no matter, no matter how, how much it's making my tongue bleed at sometimes. And cause you bring up a good point because right right now, Jay, that you um, you created Unstoppable Comics. Do you consider it a success at a point when an Unstoppable Comics becomes its own separate personality venue? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, we 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 started with Subira. We were able to expand into into zombie, right? Horror, uh, mm -hmm. supernatural, and and dark fantasy. So the fact that there's so many different facades, right? There's so many different categories that we're able to to uh, uh, dive into successfully and, and for it to pick up traction. Um, it's it's exciting, right? And and knowing that that's going to lead you to make more stuff later on, it's just it keeps that it keeps that wheel greased. And, and so t talk to us a little bit about that. Cause you mentioned a little bit earlier that you just recently launched your first title that you did not specifically write. Right. Um, I, it, it was, it was the perfect moment, right? It was the right place, right time. Um, I had a gap in my schedule and the guys brought me an idea and it was an idea for dark fantasy that we weren't doing. So it just, it, it, it clicked, right? Um, they had stuff that was ready to go. They have three issues that are ready to go. So I don't need to wonder, okay, what is it going to show up in my programming schedule? Right. Because I can slot it in, in between this and that and not have my, supporter base i can't say fan base i can't say customers i don't want to i don't want to um knock them like that because they they've been supporting all of us um so find a way to to get that in there without making them feel like they're overwhelmed right without digging into their pocketbooks way too much because money's tight nowadays right and now how do you work as somebody that that, that you actually have a publisher of your own comics your own business here how do you prioritize what next creative endeavor is going to be in the forefront that is something i'm still learning how to do right <laughs> this is this I, I i can't lie i can't say yeah i got it in the bag um you know bringing them on was also a moment where i said i've had so many different books that were successful fulfilled right achieved brought into the world I said, oh i got this in the bag and uh, I can do that also for somebody else while continue to do what I'm doing for myself. And nope, that wasn't that was not the case. I learned uh, there's a whole new set of plates. I got to learn how to spin 
And, um, you know, I've been dropping them. <laughs> I can't say I, I haven't, right? I, I thought we were going to be able to launch a book every two months from now until September of 2025. Huh. And while I still have the content ready to go for that, finding ways to pick up the plates that I dropped in between that month when I'm not running a campaign is costing me time to get the next one out. Right. And so are all of these part of the same shared universe? Some of them are, some of them are. So the okay. Storm Chasers, Shield, Shield of the Interceptor, Unstoppable Origins, and the Character Guide, yes. That's part of the yeah. same uh, uh, universe there. Uh, Vicky Six, I, you know what? I haven't I haven't come to that point yet. Um, mm. New York versus the world, definitely no. And Limbo, <laughs> definitely not. You know? okay. uh, but there are nice little Easter eggs. So um, at one point, in, in one of the storm chasers books, you go into the weight room and you'll see um, the, the floor mat as the logo for New York versus the world. And um, in limbo, you'll see uh, on the, in, in the glass stained chapel, some of the, the stained glass is different books from um, unstoppable comics. So, you know, it, it's, it's a nice way to say you don't have to buy everything, but if you do, Here's these little rewards for doing so. Right. Yeah. I love, like, Shield of the Intercept. That's a really cool origin story. Do you want to just tell our listeners out there what the origin That is a pretty brilliant dude, origin story. That is my book, dude. So are we talking about the the inception of it personally, or are we talking about the story-wise? Because oh, both. Different- yeah, both. I've heard you talk about them both, and I wanted okay. to share it on my on, on this show. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um. So, so man. Um, okay. So growing up, I loved Captain America. I did. Um, but there were, you know, the comic book shops weren't, weren't close to me. So it was picking it up on a newsstand or on a bodega used whenever I could. And I never had consecutive issues. So when I finally got to go to the mall and Barnes and Nobles on a, or Walden books on a regular basis, the, the John Walker era of Captain America was going very strong. And, um, you know, he went from super patriot to, to being uh, Captain America, and he had a sidekick, right? And his sidekick was, was named Bucky, um, you know, Afri- uh, an African-American man. Um, and I picked up that issue when I was in Puerto Rico with one of my grandmothers who was Afro-Latina, right? Uh, great dark-skinned woman with a blowout. And... That was that was my moment with her, right? We picked it up, and she goes, "Look, one of them looks like you, and one of them looks like me." And I'm like, "Oh man, uh, you know, as a kid, that character who ended up becoming Battlestar, um, and and the inspiration for who the Interceptor from Shield and the Interceptor became, um, was was my moment, right? That that was it. That was my bonding. That's that's as close to a a Puerto Rican superhero as I was ever gonna have as a kid. Because prior to that, we had uh, the white tiger and we had uh vibe over in dc you know you, uh there were no martial arts or, or tigers of any form on the island of puerto rico uh, for for the white tiger and there was uh, you know break, a break dancing car teeth becoming a a superhero in in the 80s well that's not the the most you know uh inspiring origin so um so that character always stuck with me right and and i i 
I came to the point where I was expanding on the cast of the Storm Chasers. And he was going to be uh, um, somebody inspired by the Three Musketeers and Alexander Dumas. Um, but it just it didn't flow that way. I, I liked swords. Growing up in the 80s, we had swords everywhere. Thundercats, He-Man, you know, Voltron had a big sword. But you know what? In cartoons, they never used it. So what's the use of having a sword if you're not going to use it? Go back to the to the Captain America thing with the shield, and I love the shield sling. So it went from you know being a French swordsman to maybe uh, going towards Excalibur to what if there was a shield that was supposed to be paired with the sword Excalibur, right? And that got me to a point where I was like, oh my god, I can travel along those mythological lines of storytelling, but not be bound by it. Right. I mean, when I was doing research for it, I found uh, uh, King Arthur had a he had a dagger. He had a spear. He had a, a cloak made of, of owl feathers that helped him turn invisible. But I never found any mention of a shield. I was like, this works. Right. And when I when I play those parallels against Captain America, it's like his shield's origin is based in science. This shield's origin could be based in magic. And, it, and it's a great way to unexplain things, right? Oh, it's it's magic, right? Uh, you can't you can't define those ideas uh, specifically until you get further along in the mythology and the storytelling. Um, so just it opened up so many different avenues for me to explore, and um, I just I uh, I found I was able to flesh him out. A hell of a lot quicker, um, and a whole lot more than it was with almost any other character within the Unstoppable Comics universe. So, so talk to us a little bit about Storm Chasers and how does Interceptor fit within that? All right. Um, so going back to my my roots, right? My family is from from the island of Puerto Rico, and one of the things you learn uh, as a self publisher is doing a niche of a niche of a niche is really mm. going to limit yourself selling into the into the broader spectrum. So one of the characters in uh, the Storm Chasers is based in Taino Indian mythology, hmm. right? And those were the Indian, the, the natives uh, from the island of Puerto Rico, one of the groups of natives. Um, and I found out that, about that mythology when I was in college and that stuck with me. Um, I just didn't know how I was going to use it, right? I was, I was 18, 19. Um, but it just, it, it was always in the back of my head. And uh, that's that character with the with the red and the blue with the big upside down star on his chest. Uh, some people said he's looked like the Punisher, or whatever. Uh, but um, so I found a way to tell that story, but within the group, right? Mm. So I was able to satisfy my creative urges, but also reach that broader spectrum. Utilize the the international team, Allah. Giant size X Men, right? Mm -hmm. Fine. Okay, I'm not selling just one niche to a niche person, but I'm trying to reach other individuals. And you know, the team is based off of uh, people I grew up with. One of my best friends growing up, his dad was from Thailand, so we have a character who's who's in included with that. He's not the the generic martial artist, right? It, there's more mysticism behind it. Stuff that I learned spending almost every day in his house. Um, I grew up not far from a very large West Indian community. Uh, in New York, it's called 
The area is called Far Rockaway. So that's where the character's name Rockaway comes in, right? And he's of, of West Indian descent. Um, my my neighbor was Russian. That's that's why one of the characters is, is like that. Um, and just just not trying to play um, demographic bingo, just utilizing mm. the people that were in my life, the people I grew up with, those that I went to school with. And 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 interceptors. He he's part of the storm chasers. He is part of the storm chasers. So he comes out later on. Uh, like I said, it took me a little while to to gain my sea legs. So we went from the transition of issue number four to issue number five. Something happened. Uh, the team, because of their bickering, didn't didn't go so well on a, on a certain moment. And our, <laughs> our lead character, uh, Miss Freedom, uh, the story behind her is she's just looking to get her baby back, her child. And she's reaching out to the team that she used to work with to help her do that. So she needs to find a new team to help her rescue the other team. Oh, and okay. that all comes together because they're locked up in the same place that her her child is being held. Right? <laughs> and, and these are one of the things you learn in storytelling. I remember James Cameron saying, how do you make a, a female lead um, – be something that a male audience will gravitate to, gravitate mm. towards, and it's that mother-daughter story, right? It's it's Ripley and Newt, and she's got to save her child, even though whatever it, it was, it wasn't the exact blood relations. I'm like, that's how you do it. That's how you take, you know, the superhero genre, which is male oriented, and when it comes to purchase power, and you get them to say, ah, I know what it's like. To have a mother, because I mean, you know, for a mother to go after a child, because I have one, or I'm married to one, right, as a parent or whatever. And uh, once I was able to lay that groundwork, it opened up different ways to tell the story. Okay, and and so uh, the the Kickstarter that you're launching now is Storm Chasers Volume One and Two, but it's right. it's the first eight issues. Correct. So the first uh, the first volume is already done. It's already printed. We're looking to raise the money to print up. The second volume, which collects issues numbers five and eight. Uh, it's it's going to be full color, 100 pages plus, hmm. because there are going to be uh, extras in it that will be achieved with stretch goals. Uh, a nice a nice little chibi gallery, uh, famous fake battles, uh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I look at it like I'm building a DVD, right? right. What kind of deleted scenes? What kind of little bonus material can you have that that would make somebody who purchased the original material come back for more? So, so say for instance, because last year you came out with uh, issues one through eight as well as a Kickstarter. Correct. What would you do to listen to your to your readers and fans who said, JD, should I back volumes one and two because it's already encompassing issues one through eight, but I already bought issues one through eight. Right. So there's there's extra material in there. Okay. There's bonuses like um, we do trading cards. Okay, so yeah. one of the one of the awesome things is whenever we launch a new Kickstarter, there are stretch goals. So that could be incentivizing some of the people to come back because they want to complete that set. Um, right. There have been other books that have come out since that point as well. We've had Vicky Sticks, which is our supernatural book. We've had Limbo. Uh, which is our dark fantasy, maybe they didn't pick those up. So 
if they want to save on shipping, this is an opportunity for them to do that because they they can they can pick up that material that fills the gaps within their collection. So they're not bound by just this book. There's other things they can pick up as well. Okay. All right. Perfect. If people want to learn more about Unstoppable Comics, where's the best place they could go to? UnstoppableComics.com. Okay. That is that is that is the the one thing that we own in this social landscape uh, <laughs> that I can I can always push to people. And so if they're looking for any of our uh, social links, you know they can they can find our Twitter there on the side on the top. There's a social media tab which can take us they take them to our main uh, social media sources, which would be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, I got to start to add that YouTube in there. You know, being the being <laughs> Being a small publisher, we run lean. <laughs> we run lean, and trying to find time to uh, to do everything is more like okay. What fire do I have to put out today? And that's the thing that runs to the top of the list. So the other things that you gotta, you have to do uh, as well. You know, they start to to push down because you've got to put out those other fires, right. And so, yeah, so as you say, yeah, so this is going to be your 20th Kickstarter, according to Kickstarter on here. Thank you, sir. Yeah, see, you're right on top of it. (laughs) Um, But so great. So then, so, 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 Jay, what's next? What's, what's next for Unstoppable Comics after this Kickstarter? Okay, so we're going to be coming out with Limbo issue number two after that. Hopefully, we can get this done uh, in a two month period. So we'll have one month of promotion, one month of fulfillment, and then. The beginning of month three would be the launch of Limbo issue number two. After mm-hmm. issue number two of Limbo, we are going to be doing New York versus the world. Our next uh, uh, continuation of our zombie book, our zombie, excuse me, our zombie series. Uh, after that, we're coming back to Limbo issue number three, which is going to complete that mini series. After that, we're coming back to uh, the dead princess of Vicky sticks. Number two. Uh, that's going to be illustrated by Omar Frankia, who's done work for DC on Suicide Squad. He's done some some work for Star Wars Legacy. Um, if you picked up the Catwoman animated series for DC recently, he did the artwork on that cover. So he's going to be doing that. Um, we've got a ton of more cards coming out. One of the awesome things we did on the last campaign was uh, I don't have a, a frequent flyer program, right? Um I don't have a, a stamp card, you know, that I can punch for a free coffee with every seventh purchase. Um, but there have been quite a few people that have supported us. So there's going to be holochrome trading cards. So anybody who has supported us before mm-hmm. and they're coming back, you know what? That's in there automatically as a thank mm-hmm. you for continuing to support us. So it went well on the last campaign and we're doing it on this one. And we're going to keep doing that. Um, so that's a that's a nice plus to help. Stretch a buck, right? right. For, for for everybody who's out there, um, you know. Be after that, we have Shield of the Interceptor, which is coming back. So that's going to be Volume Two, Issue Number One. On that, it's going to be illustrated by Andres Barrero, uh, written by me, colored by Champion Ramirez. After that, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm publishing another graphic novel. Uh, from a frequent collaborator by the name of uh, Carlos Granda, and he it is a it is going to be our first YA book uh, based on a young lady who is fighting her night terrors 
that are coming to life. Mm. Um, that's going to be a 110-page original graphic novel, originally published in Colombia in Spanish, in black and white. So that's going to be full color and translated here in English. Um, then we continue with Vicky Sticks, number three, uh, Shield of the Interceptor, volume two, number two, uh, taking us all the way into <clears throat> the beginning of 2025 when um, we're going to collect the three issue mini from Limbo and add some bonus pages in there as well, whatever deleted scenes that those guys are working on right now. So there are going to be certain characters that pop up in the series if you follow that. So it's, you know, what happens in the two or three pages prior to you meeting that character for the first time on that page. So wow. there'll be about at least three different three-page scenes added to the graphic novel uh, collection of Limbo uh, Volume 1. Okay. Um, and then the Storm Chasers are coming back in September of 2025 with original artist Russ Leach. Um, so I'm excited uh, to get the band back together with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jay, you need to come back on then for your next, uh, for your next Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. is fun, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you very much. Bernie, I lost you. You're I, I, you're a mute there, buddy. You got the mute symbol on your. Yeah, so the kids were the kid the kids were running upstairs, so I had to. It happens. It <laughs> I happens, wanted... bro. It happens. <laughs>